0: can he's a supernatural provision he has that means and that uh, uh, he is, he's, has that ability to do that god can shift things in the economic system of the world i cannot say that god is the author of the economic systems of the world because often they are corrupted but i'll tell you but god can move in them and shift and he's got an economic system that if we will function within then that creates for us the potential that god can bring a miracle to us when we need it amen So today, for the first half of the sermon, we're going to just kind of continue the pattern of reading the text with light commentary along the way to establish a basis of faith faith for me to then kind of build upon through my exhortation. So let's pray today. We're going to talk about a financial miracle and ask God to bless this today as we hear it. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for the reading of the Word of God here in a moment of time. We ask today that no distraction, nothing past, present, or future would hinder us from just being a tentative To the Word of God, may you bless both, Father, the listening ear and the speaking mouth or lip today, God. Let me have a word in season for he that is weary today, God. Father, even as I read, let the anointing that's in the Word, Father, be awakened among us. God, let the anointing that's upon my life be awakened among us. And let the anointing that's in the heart and in the lives of every listener today, God, be awakened among us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. And you can be seated. Now, let me say this as a preface before I take you to several passages of Scripture we're going to read quickly. Again, I'm not going to apologize for borrowing from my preaching time for a rather lengthier time of just simply reading the Word of God. I've chosen to read from the New King James translation of the Scriptures here over the latter few weeks of time. Let me say this. It's important that I understand, that you understand that this is my belief, and that is the context of um, financial need or financial um miracle or the seed and the seed and the sower kind of teaching i understand that has been exploited in our generation i understand that there are oftentimes people either charlatans or people with good intentions that take advantage oftentimes or fall prey to different things, and they uh, coerce people into a context of giving, promising them something that is not either biblical or that is uh, that they themselves cannot provide. And uh, we we recognize that does exist out there, but just because that exists out there does not take away from the truths of the Word of God, that God has a responsibility for His children that we can learn to function in. And how many of you know it is a learning process. We have to grow and develop. And it's always my desire as your pastor to teach the principle you meditate on it, ponder it. And once that principle becomes truth in your life, it will become a part of who you are. It will never be coercion. Giving would never be forced. It will never be coerced, or you will never feel manipulated. But you will find motivation from the Word of God. You will be moved by what you believe. Come on, somebody. And so that's my responsibility to you is to teach the principles and then let the Holy Spirit write that on the tablet of your heart. And in my personal opinion, you cannot talk about even the context of a financial miracle to which we're going to get in a few moments, but without, without beginning just at the foundation of financial responsibility to God in the Scriptures. And that starts with our belief in the tithe. Now, I understand tithing is an Old Testament concept. I understand that in the context that we are not under the law, but we also understand that the principles of the law that we can study and we can learn from and we can glean from them. And Romans 15 and 4 says, those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning upon whom the ends of the world have come. So we're able to go back and look at them and and see them in light of how God gave them to ancient Israel and how he blessed them accordingly and believe that if we extract the principle out of the precept, then God will add blessing to it in our life as well. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read today beginning first in Leviticus chapter number 27. Just for a few moments, you say, Pastor, I'm so new to this, I don't even know what you mean by tithe. Tithe is Hebrew for the tenth. It simply means a tenth. We know that the tithe did not begin in the Mosaic law. It is our belief that one of the reasons why we teach its practice in the New Testament church is that it began in the life of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Abraham had come back from this, with the, the spoils of war. What's unique about that is he was not a warrior he was not a soldier but his family had been stolen by an army of five kings and he rallied 314 men in his own house trained them just in one day's time put a sword in their hand they went and they overtook those five kings overtook their armies defeated them rescued his family and brought back the spoils of war I mean, You know that's the hand of god right there To do something like that and when he was coming back with the spoils of war he was met by a man by the name of Melchizedek now Melchizedek was the king and the priest which is not typical for that culture typically there's the priesthood and there's the kingship but Melchizedek was both a king and a priest and he was the king and priest over a place called Jeru. Salem which would later be Jerusalem and so he is figurative of a person that you and I know as Jesus who is the Messiah the Bible tells us that Abraham presented to him a tithe of the spoils of war and Melchizedek who was greater blessed the lesser Melchizedek the kingly priest blessed Abraham and his household as he brought the tithe forward now in the Mosaic law Leviticus 27 It says all the 30th verse and all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree It is the Lord's and this is what will help you when this becomes a part of the way that you see your financial If I can use this word respectfully Obligation to God it is holy to the Lord when you begin to see that it belongs to God Not to energy. Not to AT&T or to Sprint or to uh, anybody else in that. I'm I'm going way back in time for people that are still functioning, you know, in that vein. Uh, Not to Verizon, not to anything, but it belongs to God. Once you begin to see that... Then, then your perception of the whole thing begins to change. It says, if a man wants to at all redeem any of his tithes because they were paying with agricultural produce and versus money, bringing it to the house of God. He said, if you want to bring it forth with money, add one-fifth to it and concerning even the tithe of the herd of the flock or whatever passes under the rod the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord that's just one passage of scripture where in the mosaic law Moses taught the principle of the tithe as the children of Israel were preparing for their wilderness journey and what would also later be their journey into the promised land now we're going to quickly jump over to the 26th chapter you and I have been here before but I want to just read this again today with light commentary to establish the precipice I just think that it is so good for us to uh, to, to establish the principle. Uh, it, I just think it is so good for us to go back and see these over and over again. This is kind of why we do what we do here in the twenty sixth verse our twenty sixth chapter, first verse. It shall be. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and you dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of your ground. So, this passage is dealing with both the first fruit offering and the tithe, which will be referenced later, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you will put it in a basket. That's why that basket is on the altar in front of you today. It is symbolic of this passage of Scripture right here. And you go to the place where the the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare. Now listen, that's why there is a responsibility conferred upon you as the giver. I teach you and I've taught you many times, don't just give. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just walk down the aisle because everybody's going down the aisle. This is an act of worship. Giving is an act of devotion to God. This is a recognition that God has blessed you. He's given you provision, provided for you, and you have severed off this as an offering unto the Lord. And as you do, he said, say this. So we kind of in context say this. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest will take the basket out of your hand and he will set it down before the altar of the Lord. And here's what you shall say you say before the Lord you say my father was a Syrian about to perish he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number and there he became a nation great mighty and populous but the Egyptians mistreated us afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression so that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders he has brought us to this place that he has given us this land a land that flows with milk and honey let me give you a paraphrased version of an application to your life I was a sinner lost in sin I was an alcoholic or a drug addict a fornicator or an adulterer or a gambler I was wicked I was born under sin and I sinned but I came to the place where I knew I needed a deliverance from sin and I came to Jesus Christ I found that Only He had the ability to lift the sin debt from me and to create justification and righteousness in my life. So I, because I'd received the measure of faith, gave my faith and opened my heart to God. I invited Christ in. I trusted in the redemptive work on the cross. I believed that He died on the cross for my sin, was buried, and on the third day He was raised again. And I trusted Him. And then I received of the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit of God caused me to be born again. I was brought out of that old man and put into the new man. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I became a new creature in Christ Jesus, and God's made everything new. And so, when I come here to bring my offering, God, I'm going to celebrate. I'm a whole new person redeemed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, that's not in the text, but it is in the text, if you'll read it carefully. And so, now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you have given me, and you set it before the Lord your God, and you worship. Before the Lord, you dance, you sing, you fall prostrate, you clap. You just get beside yourself because God blessed you. The hands that you used to steal with, now you bring an offering to God, and it's acceptable unto him. So you rejoice in every good thing, everything. Don't just wait for an abundance. You need to celebrate when it's just a little thing. Come on and thank God for all, everything that he's blessed in your house. And so when you have finished laying aside the tithe of the increase in the third year, the third year was an important year for the Israelites because as they entered in, they had to they had to till the land plant the land and then the third year they would get increased the year of the tithing you've given it to the Levite the stranger the fatherless the widow that they may eat within their gates and be filled then you shall say before the Lord your God look at this I have written every time that you bring your tithe to God this is what you're in essence saying he said this he's saying I have removed the holy tithe from my house I've given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. Notice what he said. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, meaning I didn't take what belonged to God, what I have determined in my heart to give to God and use it for another purpose. Are y'all hearing me? It was real quiet in here on that point right there. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. See, when it's dedicated to God, that's where it needs to go. I have obeyed the voice. See, God can give you other resources to address those issues. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down. So then it puts a place where you have the ability to talk to God in faith and say, God, would you look down from heaven see the faithfulness of my life and lifestyle as I've obeyed what I have purposed in my heart to do and God would you bless me and that what the 15th verse said God would you bless us and would you bless our households does that make sense to you today this was a pattern that was given to ancient Israel as they were about to enter the promised land now we're going to go ahead and glean real quickly from one last Old Testament passage before we transition real quickly and reading just a few verses uh, from the New Testament but we're going to go to the last of the Old testament books the book of malachi it's familiar to many of you you have to understand the time that the book of malachi is written is approximately 400 years before the coming of the messiah israel because of their apostasy uh, a few uh, years earlier had been driven out of the nation and were captive in the land of babylon for 70 years they've been allowed to return they've rebuilt their temple they're going they're learning all over again these precepts and Principles. Unfortunately, many were neglecting the responsibility of the tithe that was given to the Israelites to provide for the Levite, the stranger, and the widow, and the things that were mentioned previously in the book of Leviticus. And so now the prophet Malachi gives a sharp reproof. I have heard people manipulate the church with this passage of Scripture. I've seen oftentimes pastors take this passage and, and, and if, to a degree, attempt to manipulate people's giving versus putting them in the accurate and the right context of application i'm not doing so today i'm simply looking at it as a learning point because here in this passage there is a reproof god can reprove us matter of fact if you don't receive reproof from god the bible says you're illegitimate and not even His. because if you're a child then god corrects those he loves i thank god he corrects me when i'm out of order and i'm not walking according to what he expects of me so here the prophet is reproving the nation as a whole. And he's saying, will a man rob God? And so they ask, yet you have robbed me. Or God is saying, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed God? How can we rob God? And so God responds and say, in tithes and offerings. And so God speaks now to the nation of Israel as a whole, 400 years to the coming of Christ. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation robbed god of the the opportunity to pour out blessings upon them because of their failure and their breach the 10th verse so now here's the exhortation to israel it's a principle that if you and i can learn it will it will really be a blessing to our lives bring all the ties into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this king james says and prove me now says the lord If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, God is attaching to the obedience of the people the promise that he will manipulate. Remember what I talked about. God can manipulate things in the natural to produce for you a supernatural blessing. He said, if you will do your part and obey the word of God, then God said, I will manipulate these things to the degree that I will cause blessings to come upon you. I will pour it out upon you that there will not even be room enough to receive it. And then he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that it will, he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor, look at this. I love this. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Don't you think that would be a tremendous testimony to this lost and dying world in the midst of economic uncertainties, stock market crashes, things that are going on that we. if the church is diligent and... And faithful and the people of God are walking in blessing. When the unrighteous and the unregenerate are are, are walking under a curse, we're walking in the blessing of God. Then they're able to look to us and say, why are you blessed? Why are you not fretting and worried? Why are you not, uh, you know, uh, feeling the anxiety of the economic uh, meltdown that's going on around us? It's because God has blessed you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And it will create testimony and opportunity to share your faith to this lost and dying generation amen that's the old testament just three quick passages to glean from now let's turn to first corinthians and we're going to read there and i'll glean quickly so you say well pastor brown that's the old testament you know don't bring that old under i'm in the new covenant is there well you know what good i'm glad you because it gets better in the new covenant the revelation gets deeper the uh, application is broader and the response of god is even greater even greater than it was under the Old Covenant. Here in the ninth chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, I want to address just real quickly because the context here is the Apostle Paul talking about New Testament giving. I'm going to share with you just three passages of Scripture where Paul addressed uh, three areas of giving. One he addressed giving that would supply for ministers needs number two was special offerings that would supply the needs of the poor at Jerusalem the poor saints that Paul was going to minister to and lastly just uh, just uh, giving in general through the church let's read this the apostle Paul saying, am I not an apostle am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord are you not my work in the Lord if I am not an apostle to others yea doubtless I am to you I he said, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord my My defense to those who examine me is this. Now, Paul is looking at his own life. Paul is a foundational apostle, and he's saying, I have the right to do some things that I'm not taking advantage of. The reason I'm not taking advantage of it, Paul is saying, is because I don't want to cause any to stumble. The establishment of the church, the church hadn't grown in their understanding of this. They were new to these principles, and Paul didn't want to put a burden on people at the place where they were not ready to receive this. He said, do we have no right to eat and to drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife as the other apostles or even the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working you know paul continued to work for the most of his uh, apostolic ministry he was a tent maker by occupation and he su- he supplemented his ministry uh income through through working but look at this seventh verse whoever goes to war at his own expense who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock do i say these things as a mere man or does not the law say the same also He said, for it is, and so now Paul, you say, well, pastor, we're not under the law. I understand, but Paul is looking back to the law to extract the principle from it. Isn't that what I talked and shared with you a moment ago? Paul himself is doing what we're doing. He's looking back to the law and extracting a principle. He said, "Is it, it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. It is, uh, is it oxen God is concerned about? He said, or is he saying it all together for our sake? For our sakes, no doubt this is written. That he who plows should plow in hope. He who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. In essence, Paul was defending the right of Ministry to receive offerings from the people of God. Recently, my daughter Alyssa was having a conversation with someone. And this context, and it, that this person, when she, in their conversation with Alyssa, said, "We don't believe in pastoral support. We don't believe we're all God's ministers, and we don't believe that there anybody uniquely and distinctly called and that should receive pastoral support." What she's saying is, we're not believing the word of God because the word of God says, "If I have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing?" Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? As God established the priest and the Levite in the old covenant, in our generation, God has, and in our dispensation, He has the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. They're chosen by God. I didn't just one day say I want to be a pastor. God put a call of a pastor in my life, and that call demanded sacrifice. It demanded moving outside of a secular career into. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? A career to serve the body of Christ and. If I have sown faithfully spiritual things, is it a great thing, Paul is saying? Yes, it is. He's saying, to reap a carnal thing. And so look at this as we go down. He said, it do not know 13 verse, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings at the altar? So the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. The reality is, is that I live of the gospel. I live of the faithfulness of this church family. I have my livelihood from your faithfulness and giving. That's why I take it dear to my heart to pray and to say, God, as people have sown into my life, if they have sown into this church, God, I pray that you look from heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I pray, God, that you will bless men and women for their faithfulness in giving to God. I'm unashamed of it today. I had to grow into this. As I was younger in ministry, the very first time I ever ever received an offering for preaching or especially when i became a pastor and i was uh, on full-time you know a salary there at shirley it was awkward for me but i had to grow in it understand god said i've ordained this God said, I've ordained that, that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. As you give, it blesses our lives, and we're very, very thankful for it. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians real quickly today. I'll have to go over this very quickly because this is a special offering. I have that we're going to go through the entirety there of the 8th chapter. We will not. We're going to move quickly to the ninth chapter for the sake of time because i got to get you to the heart here in just a moment of where I want you to be. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, though, talks about that it's not enough for us. I'm just going to paraphrase the context of the 8th chapter. Paul here is preparing the church at Corinth to receive a special offering for some of the poor saints that are in Jerusalem. And there's going to be some apostolic leaders that are going to come in advance and receive the offering and take it from them. So Paul is exhorting them with words like, don't just have a desire, but let there be a follow through. How many of you have ever had in your heart and mind a desire to do something that you failed to follow through with? Are y'all hearing me? And so Paul is challenging us in the eighth chapter, saying, make sure that you do more than just desire to do it, but that you follow through in your giving. And in the first verse of the ninth chapter, he begins to lay the foundation for those that are going to come and to receive of this offering. But I want to pick it up at the sixth verse. It is more. It is here that it is uh, actually the fifth verse. Let's just go ahead and pick it up there. This is more familiar to us, but let's read it together collectively, and we'll read one more passage of Scripture, and that will conclude the reading of Scripture to give me a few minutes of exhortation here at the end. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren, to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, is Paul attempting to manipulate their giving, or is he just reminding them of biblical principles? Come on, I believe he's just reminding him of biblical principles. If you sow sparingly, what are you going to reap? You're going to but if you sow bountifully? Come on, what's the promise? How many of you know the scripture teach us, teaches us about recompense that we sow, we reap. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, is what Jesus himself said. He said, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Every one of us are going to be accountable before God, and you have to purpose in your heart what's right for you to give whether it be to the, the, the church support on a regular basis or a special offering or a benevolent offering. does that, You understand what I'm saying? You have to purpose in your heart what you're going to give. What I want to do is I want to purpose in my heart what I believe is the biblical pattern. That's why I started the tithe and then move into offerings. And that's simply the way that is typically taught in our fellowship. But I don't want you to give grudgingly. I don't want you to come to the front of this church every Sunday out of obligation or coercion or manipulation. I don't want you to come because you felt the pressure of the pastor or the teachers or the leaders or the deacon board or the system or the structure. I want you to give because you saw a principle in the Word of God and God wrote it on the tablet of your heart and now you purpose in your heart that as God has given to you, now you're going to give. Come on, somebody. And you're going to prove the Lord. Now look at this. God loves a cheerful Giver, There ought to be excitement in our giving to the kingdom of God. I know we've lost a little bit of excitement about it because of the abuse of many in the Pentecostal charismatic movement but uh, their abuse should not take away of the necessity and the desire in our heart to say God I thank you for letting me be able to give God into the kingdom of God knowing that what I do in private you're going to bless me openly for. This passage goes a little further. God is able What a powerful exhortation. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now look at that. Get that down in your heart. That's not just talking about one area of your life. God can make all grace abound to you in every area of your life that you will have a sufficiency in all things. That way you'll live your life in the confidence that God is for you. And he is not against you. And God is blessing your life in every area. Not just in your financial uh, life, but in every area. All grace abound. You will have an abundance for every good work. He has dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Look at this. Here's where that passage of scripture comes from that I quote almost every Sunday. God says that I will give seed to the sower. And then he said, and I will give bread for your food. Because as you sow the seed, you've got to eat as well, so God's going to provide for you. And not only is he going to provide for you, he said, then I'm going to multiply the seed that you have sown and then increase the fruits of righteousness. While you become enriched in everything because of your liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So think about that. As a fellowship, not only do you help provide for me and Jojo and for Shane and Brent and our living and we are thankful. And I guarantee you I am not alone in my prayers of thanksgiving to God on your behalf. I guarantee you these men echo my voice into the presence of God. They echo my words. They are saying in similarity the same thing that I am. God bless this people for their faithfulness in giving to God. But it's not us alone because you, as you give, we give to missions. Come on, there are Africans somewhere that's going, God bless Hebrew Springs, First Assembly of God. There's somebody in Europe that's saying, God, I'm praying for the men and women of First Assembly of God because they sent the missionary over here that preached to my family, and my family got saved, and now I know Christ because of their faithfulness. So somebody is praying for you because of your faithfulness and giving to God. And as he goes on down in this passage of scripture, he says, "By their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God." Last passage today, I'm going to omit. I'm going to only exhort from it. You're familiar with much of it. It's in Philippians chapter number four, and it's in that passage of scripture, the tenth verse through the twentieth verse, where we extract one of the most famous and most often quoted uh, passages in all of uh, Christianity. Matter of fact, I'm wearing a wristband. Didn't even know it. Uh, that says it. It's Philippians four and thirteen. I can do all things through christ who strengthens me it's the most taken out of context quotation in the entire bible because if you don't read the 12th verse you don't understand the 13th verse because paul is talking about his financial situation in the 12th verse when he says i know how to be abased and i know how to abound i know how to have plenty and i know how to suffer need what Paul was saying is I can endure the ups and downs of the econ- economic changes that are swirling around me. I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not leaping from the building if the stock market crashes. Come on, somebody. The stock market is not our provision. The, the company moves to China. We're, we're not, we're not, we, we, we might get frustrated and want to vote in a new politician, but I'll tell you what, our provision is from God. I know how to have plenty. I also know how to suffer need. And that's because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And later in that chapter, Paul spoke about, he said, I'm not saying this to you out of uh, trying to create a coercion. He said, but fruit that may, account to, uh, that may account to your account before God. That as you give, God takes record of it. And this is where 19th verse, 4th chapter of the book of Philippians, Paul said, and so therefore, as you sow into ministry, you sow into the church, you give faithfully on a regular basis, he said this, God will supply all of your need. So listen, that passage is often quoted out of context too. Because the need is created through giving. So as I give, I create a need. So when God sees that I gave, then God said, I'll meet your need. But if you're not giving and you're eating your seed in your time of need, you're not giving God the opportunity to do what he wants to do. God wants to bless you abundantly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But if you're not creating the deed through giving, then God is a little bit limited in the wealth and resources that he can sow into your life. Philippians, the fourth chapter, those are context of passages from old to new. So let me say this and kind of summarize that before I conclude with just a few exhortations about where I wanted you to be. The conclusion is this. God's expectation is that everyone should be faithful. Everybody. You know, uh, an equality in the sense that this person needs to give just like this person needs to as well. See, the Bible, if we had read the 8th chapter of the 2 Corinthians, it said it's not counted for what you don't have, It's counted for what you have. So let's just use this for example. Let's say we had an offering and people were going to tithe. And so somebody who was very wealthy had a big week and they received a $10,000 income that week. Thank God. That's Lee A. Brown Ministries Incorporated, by the way. And so you brought your $1,000 tithe. Now, somebody in the church didn't have that amount of blessing and they had a hundred dollar week but they brought their ten dollar offering in the eyes of god both are the same both are faithful both are given out of what's been given to them come on and so therefore god can bless both of them and so it's that god wants all of us to be involved but you got to be fully convinced in your heart look at look i will never try to manipulate your giving I want you to see the principle because I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a financial need in your life right now, there can come a day when you need God to do something extravagant on your behalf. Something beyond the ordinary. That means it would be extraordinary. See, it's difficult to reap where you have not sowed. Does that make sense today? Let's go just a little bit further. I believe it is the will of God that faithful giving that is stimulated by faith not coercion or manipulation from pastoral strong-arming people to give that's never my intention i'm honest enough to call it out i've been in churches where it's happened i've watched it happen on tv i've watched pastors make false promises that are not biblically based so y'all hear me today but that does not take away from the principles that are true that we must be obligated to teach. And so because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. When you hear the word, it stimulates your faith and then you obey the word, right? And that can result, and listen to this. This is my transition point right here to where I wanted you to be this morning. It can result in either a season or a situation where you receive something that I call miracle money. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, miracle money. Now, I'm not in love with money. I understand that the love of money is the root of all evil. But it takes money to function in the economy that we live in today. If we'd lived in another economy, we might could exchange seashells. But we don't live in that economy today. So we have to use money, currency of some type. I've discovered in my life, based upon personal experiences that I don't want to say are equivalent to the Word of God, but they don't contrast with the Word of God. They are harmony with the teachings of the Word of God where God can provide miracle money. Oh, my God. Y'all don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm telling you, I've seen it. You can't take it out of my heart. I've been there. See, once a trust is established in your heart, and it's been demonstrated, that trust has been demonstrated by your faithfulness, even during times of distress or even during times of lack, it is possible that you can have a situation and even a season where you receive miracle money from God, where God, who can manipulate the natural world for your good, can move something that was not here, that's over here, and bring it, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because, see, you gave, and now it's going to be given unto you. That means somebody else has got it, but God's going to release it because of your faithfulness and provide it for your life. Miracle money is money or resources that are primarily from another place or source than your normal source. But now I believe God can make your normal source surge as well at times. Does anybody understand what I mean by that? Let me give you an example. The apostle Peter, before he became an apostle, was a fisherman in Capernaum. One day, he lent his boat out to a roving rabbi by the name of Jesus of Nazareth so he could teach. He pushed out from the seashore, and he taught the word of God. When he finished teaching, he turned to Peter, and he said, Peter, he said, I want you to go back out into the deep. We're by the bank now. Let's go out into the deep. And he said, let your net down. And he said, we'll take up and see if we make a catch. Peter, it must have been summertime. They fished at night. said, do you not understand the economy? Do you not understand the times that we're living in right now? Do you understand the uncertainty of what's going on economically, the government, things that are going on in China, things that are going on around the world? Do you not understand? We have labored all night, and we have taken nothing. But then, he just started thinking for just a moment of time about all he had just heard that man teach. He said, but nevertheless, Lord, at thy word. So he pushed his boat out a little farther into the deeper water, the water that he had just fished in all night and he lowered the net down and God gave a surge to his fishing business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And all of a sudden the empty nets were filled up Come on, somebody. And they caught a great drop, King James English, a fish, and they were able to come back to the seashore and bring it into the economic system and exchange it for resources and take care of their children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God met their need because God had determined to bless them during that particular season. So God can bring miracle money to your life. As I've studied the Word of God, I have seen in Scripture where God just manipulated things for the good of His kingdom for the good of his children. Abraham said with his own lips, God has made me rich. The Lord has made me rich. Jacob received a transfer of Laban's wealth. Do y'all remember that? He had been serving for his daughter so he could marry his daughter and had not received adequate wages. But God determined enough is enough. You've sown in and you've not reaped. So God said, now's the time for you to reap. So as he began to keep his father-in-law's sheep, God began to transfer the wealth of Laban. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so the the context that he used was he said, I'll tell you what, Laban, I'll make a deal with you. All the plain-colored sheep, all the solid-colored sheep and goats will be yours. All the spotted goats and sheep will be mine. And from that day forward, the Bible says, all the sheep begin to have spotted sheep. Come on, now God can do this. God can make a change. Israel served the Egyptians for 400 years and were impoverished till the night the blood of the Passover was applied to the doorpost. And God said, I'm going to bring you out and make a new nation of you. And by the way, when you're on your way out, won't you ask the people that hadn't given you the fair wages for 400 years, ask them if you can borrow the gold and the silver and the jewels that are in their house. And the Bible says they did, and they gave them all their wealth. And the Israelites spoiled the Egyptians on the way out of Egypt because of the power of a transfer of God's unique wealth. Come on, somebody. I call that miracle money during the wilderness god blessed them uniquely elijah during the days of the drought during the apostasy elijah god said i'm gonna bring a raven to you i love this word god said i want you to go to a brook i've shut up heaven it's not gonna rain for three years but i've shut it up he said but i tell you what i want you to go by the brook the brook's gonna bring you water and he said and by the way i'm gonna cause a raven to bring you food i'd call that the first happy meal (laughs) because he was there for breakfast and at night are y'all hearing what i'm saying god said i will command the raven see god commands things on behalf of those that are faithful to him And then when God said enough uh, has been supplied through the ravens, I love this. He said, now, look at the way God sometimes asks us to do things. He said, now I want you to go, Elijah, in the midst of the drought. I want you to go to Sidon, which is on the other side of Israel, on the northern side of Israel. And there I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. A widow woman who did not even know that she was under the command of God. But God can move. See, God can move things about when he gets ready. to bless you and Elijah is coming up to the gate and he finds a widow woman with a little child at her side gathering sticks he asks her from you know thirsty from his journey would you go into the city and bring me a cup of water and she starts to make her journey to 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 be nice to the stranger that just showed up you know the story first kings chapter number 17 or 18 in that passage of scripture and he said and by the way would you pat out a little cake for me and bring it to me And that's when she just had a meltdown. She said, you don't understand. The famine has crippled the city. I don't have any food. I don't have a job. I don't have a check from the government. I don't have anything. All I got is a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make my last cake. I came out here with my son to gather two sticks so I could cook a little fire, create a little fire. I will pat out a cake. I will give it to my son. I will put him in the corner. I'll sit across from him in the house. I will watch hunger begin to eat away at his flesh. I'll watch his eyes grow hollow I'll watch his stomach begin to swell I'll watch his limbs go small and I'll watch him succumb to that hunger and he will die and then I will die and I don't have any joy of the Lord and I don't know why you're asking me to do that and then Elijah said let me tell you honey you don't understand God's commanded something here that's bigger than we are if you'll go back to your house and you'll do exactly what you said pat out the cake and he said but do this as an act of faith bring it out don't give it to your son but bring it to to me first, I'm here to tell you that the God of all heaven will make sure that the cruise of oil will never fail and the meal barrel will never waste away. God will give us miracle money. Come on, somebody, God can do that when we honor His word. You know the story. God blessed that situation. Four lepers discovered the spoil of the Assyrians. Lastly, in this last, before I give personal testimony today, I was thinking about this and it's been on my heart all week. Matthew 17, Peter, fishing business again. Must be thinking about taxes, because it's fishing business. Peter's come back to Capernaum. I don't know where the other disciples are, but the leaders catch Peter. Capernaum was a city. It was a. It was a. It was in Israel, but it was a Roman kind of context. And the leaders came to him and said, Peter. Does your, your master not pay the temple tax? Now, the temple tax had been assigned during the return of Israel to the promised land to keep the temple up. But they were exploiting it. And Peter said, uh, yeah, he does. Of course he does. But, see, nobody else was around but Peter and John, uh, uh, Jesus, and he didn't have the bag. You remember who carried the bag, right? He didn't have the bag. So he went back to the house, and he wasn't going to say anything about it. But Jesus already knew. He said, God's watching your life. He already knows what you have need of before you even ask. So, but when he comes to the door, he says, he says, Peter, he said, of who do the kings of this world take taxes from? Of their children or of their, you know, the people of their, commu- of their community, you know, of their kingdom? And he said, well, of the kingdom. He said, well, then are the children free? And so, in essence, he's saying we're children of the kingdom. We shouldn't be paying this tax. But nevertheless... Not to offend them, He said, "I want you to do this. Can you imagine what's in Peter's mind? I want you to go down to the ship, to the sea, cast in a hook, cast a hook in they used to cast in a net, but now cast a hook. So it's important that we listen to God. Whatever He tells us, that's what we need to do. And so he cast in a hook. He said, "And you're going to find a fish, you're going to open the fish's mouth, and there's going to be inside it a coin. Come on now. Don't tell me there's not something called miracle money. Now, wait, let me tell you a little bit more about that story. Now, a lot of people think God just miraculously caused a coin to form in that fish's mouth. God doesn't usually do things that way. God manipulates things that are in the natural order, and he brings them together. There is a fish in those waters that has been discovered that has a pouch under its lower jaw. And there are times that other fishermen have caught fish that have found inside that little pouch something shiny. And so what it means is, is that probably one day there was some pompous, rich person who was arrogant and unwilling to give his resources to God, who was floating across the Galilean Sea, perhaps even speaking blasphemous words against God. Maybe he had even heard Jesus teach. Jesus collected offerings in his meetings as well. And maybe he'd say, I, have you heard about that Jesus? And he said, and they, and they, and they want me to give into his ministry. I'm not going to. I'd rather give this coin right here and just throw it out into the sea than I had give it to Jesus not knowing that as that water went plunk and began to sink all the way down, God caused a fish like in Jonah... That began to come, come on somebody. And as that fish began, as that coin began to sink, God knew there would be a day when Jesus and Peter had a tax to pay and didn't have the resources to pay it. And God said, I'll take it from here and I'll bring it over there because God said, I'll bless those who are faithful to me. Pastor Brown, why are you telling me all that? I'm telling you, there could come a day, a season, an hour in your life when you have need. And if you've been faithful to God, you can stand square your shoulders back and say, God, you're a God of miracle provision. God, just like you blessed Peter, And Jesus, you can bless me, my house. I don't know how God will get it to you. All I know is He will get it to you. Glory to God. There is miracle money in the kingdom of God. I was thinking today as I close, as we prepare to pray, because I'm going to pray with you today. You say, Pastor, how do you believe in such things? Uh, You know, are you making the scriptures superstitious? No, absolutely not. I believe God is not, come on, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not a respecter of persons. If I I believe I'll receive. I've seen God's hand in my own life. I remember days gone by. I'm closing with this final story. I remember in my life personally, a season where I began to receive miracle money. out of the, I, did not, I, I didn't know something like that really existed. But it was in 2000. In October of 2000, I had gone up to uh, Pastor Rod Parsley's World Harvest Church in Columbus, Ohio. I told this story years ago and I'll remind you of it today. I had gone up there during a season in my life where I was trusting God for a spiritual and a financial breakthrough connected together. It was a pastor's conference. And during the conference, there were two offerings that he wanted pastors to participate in. One was an offering of like Isaiah 41 and 11, something of that nature, or Isaiah 40, 11. It was connected to a verse of scripture. If you could give in this offering simply because the man of God told you to. So I gave in that particular offering. But I didn't realize at the end of the pastor's conference at the end of the pastor's conference they had something every year where pastors from all over would bring a special offering and present it because if you're going to reap you got to sow oh come on now and you know what but i was there and i was praying and I, you know you've got a purpose in your heart what works for you pastor rod was not my pastor i heard all the preaching it was all good and great but i said god that's not for me so i flew back home to Shirley, and I said, God, you know what? I have a pastor. His name is Larry Burton. He's in Jacksonville, pastoring MacArthur Assembly of God. And I said, you know what, God? They're about to go into a building program. We were about to do a bit. We thought about borrowing money for uh, the renovations of our church, but we were, then we also contemplated doing it debt-free. And I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to preach to our church family the principle of sowing and reaping. And I'm going to preach on one Sunday, and the next Sunday, we're going to take up a special offering. And our little church in Shirley, have you ever been to Shirley? Daryl was there last week. It's not very big. Our little church is going to receive an offering, and we're going to take our offering on a Sunday night, and we're going to give it to MacArthur, and we're going to sew it into their building program, and we're going to trust God's going to bless ours. I know you said, Pastor, that's foolish. And so what's crazy, I preached the message that Sunday morning and told the people what, what we were going to do. Now, this is how crazy things can be. Did you know the very first offering that came in was a brother that was visiting our church that day? That day, he, came, he was very distinguished looking. He was sitting in the back against the wall. And when I uh, uh, he wasn't going to be there the next week. And here's what he came. He said, you know what? He said, Pastor, he said, I am an elder from Dr. Lester Summerall's church in South Bend, Indiana. Now, Dr. Summerall was Rod Parsley's pastor. And this elder is in Shirley hearing this hillbilly preach about sowing and reaping. He said, I believe in what you're doing. I'm going to write the very first $100 check and give it to this offering. So the next Sunday I preached, we took up the offering, we took up $8,000 on a Sunday morning in Shirley, Arkansas. Pastor Brown stretched himself. Six children. I wrote out a $500 check out of about 800 that was in my bank account. I'm just telling you because I was believing God for something else, not just our church. I was believing for God for something miraculous in my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I knew God is a God. And so we gave we took it down to MacArthur in the next few months. We did our building program, $25,000 of renovations. We did it debt-free to the glory of God. We did. January, three months later, on a Wednesday night, I'm in church. I get a phone call. Sherry's just come home. It's a, I'm in a board meeting. The kids are screaming in the background. The house is on fire. That night, January the 11th, 2001, Our house burned to the ground. We lost every possession that we had. But from that, God began to do a change in our life. He changed our perspective, He changed our position, and He began to bring miracle money into our lives. And let me tell you, I began to have pastors and churches all across the state of Arkansas hear about a pastor in Shirley with six children. That lost his house and all his assets in a house fire, began to write checks and send checks to me. You're talking about an exciting time going to the mailbox. Well, I went to the mailbox. <laughs> I didn't know who I had writing to me. I'd come back, Sherry, right here. Well, the time we had the one day though, the one perhaps meant as much. Now God was so faithful to me in that time. It was a season, it wasn't just a situation. It was a season. Sometimes it's a situation, sometimes it's a season. It lasted for several months. One day I went to the, 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 the mailbox. I opened the, the mailbox, took out a letter from the Christian Center of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Victory Christian Center, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I said, what? Victory Christian Center, that's one of the largest churches in Tulsa. I opened it up and it was a handwritten letter from Billy Joe Daugherty, who's now gone on to be with the Lord. He was pastor in a church of 12,000 people in Tulsa. A member of my church had known him previously, used to be a member of that church, and wrote him a letter, told him about her pastor in Shirley, Arkansas, with six children, lost everything in the fire. Now, the unique thing about the whole thing that I didn't know, several years earlier, Brother Billy Joe had lost his house in a house fire. He had five children. They had to crawl out of the heat to escape it. We didn't have to have that trauma in our life. So he wrote me a handwritten note, and he said, I'll tell you what, brother, God's going to bring you out and make it better than before you went into this situation because he's just that kind of God. And he wrote a $1,000 check. Come on now. Y'all hear what I'm saying? To the skinny preacher living up in Shirley that he had never heard about before but it had a need in his life, and in essence, he prophesied. He said, God's going to make you better than you were before. Before the house fire happened, I had a house, 2,900 square feet. I owed $72,000 on it. When it was all said and done, I had a house on 17 acres, and I sold it for $149,000 debt-free to God be the glory. Don't tell me God cannot put miracle money in your life. He can. I'm just showing you. I don't tell that all the time. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been in that season when God manipulated things for my good. And he can do it for you. Daryl, join me on the platform this morning. Hallelujah. You may not believe in miracles, but I believe in miracles. I believe in God's unique ability to bless his children financially. His resources he can commit to you, to your life, to your family. And I want to pray with you from a position of somebody who's been there. And I still need God to do miracles today. Just because you're not in that season don't mean you don't find yourself in another season. Isn't that right? Elijah was by the brook. It was miraculous. The ravens were miraculous, but it dried up. And God had to bring another source. You may be finding yourself in transition From one place of provision to another place of provision. But I want you to know God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm not saying these things today in any capacity. Very seldom do I ever open up little, you know, fragments of my life and use it as an example. Because I don't want you to think in any way I'm trying to be arrogant in that moment. I'm not trying to belittle you saying, look what what I did or what I received. I don't believe in comparison. I'm just telling you from personal testimony, I was there. I was there. I saw the flames on the house, but I also saw the response of God's people to bless in the mailbox. And I saw the hand of God and the provision of God in mine and Sherry's life for our family. And I'm telling you, God is faithful. He's faithful to you and I. We just got to believe. We have got to believe. We must trust him today. The principles of giving that we read in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and that I quoted to you from Philippians 4, they're there to build faith in your heart to trust the Lord. I want to pray with people today in this vein, just quickly in closing, but I am going to open the altar. It would be wrong for me not. I'm going to give a two-fold invitation in a moment I'm going to just simply my second invitation is going to be, if you're in a season in your life where you say God, where you say, "Pastor, I'm going to be honest, I need miracle money. I just need God to do something in my life. I want to pray with you. You know Let me say, "Well, Pastor Brown, well, I don't have to have you pray for me. Well, let me just say this: What if you had cancer, and I was here and I had had cancer, and God had healed me of cancer, would you want me to pray for you? You need miracle money. I was there. I saw God. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask God what some component of what you did for me you can do for somebody else. Does that make sense at all? But I want to preface it first. In a moment, I'm going to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Because I'm going to give you an invitation that if you have never been a sower, you got to start somewhere. And you got to start sometime. God gives seed to the sower. Some of you, I'm going to be honest. Here's what you've been. You've been guilty of eating your seed. Listen, when when I wrote that $500 check years ago, that was like half of everything that we owned financially. Had six children. I mean, there was no surplus to take that out of. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so it was a moment where I just said, but God, there's got to be something greater. There's got to be something more. It took faith to do it. Don't comp- I'm not trying to put you in comparison. $5 might be the faith that you need right now. I'm just saying, but for me, that was my moment where it was just demanding faith of who I was. And I exhibited that faith to God. And I put it where I believe God wanted me to put it. I sold it into my pastor, my pastor Burton. Or I didn't sell it to him personally, but I sold it through the offering into MacArthur Assembly. And, but God sees. God sees. But some of you, I want want to be honest, in love to you. I won't call you out. I'm not going to say anything ugly. I'm just going to reprove you in love. You're eating your seed. You're going to restaurants, taking your tithe money. Oh, Jesus. Money that's holy to the Lord. And you're going to always be in a cycle. You're going to always be in a cycle. Break it. Break it, set aside, start somewhere. Ask God. God, give me the strength to lay aside what you have purposed in my, what I purposed in my heart that I should bring to you. Let me lay it aside and be faithful in it. I'm telling you, as you do, God takes notice of it. He does. I want to pray with you privately in that area. I won't want people looking around. This is just me. But but I will. I will look around because I want to just see if it's touched somebody's heart. I want to see if somebody would be accountable to me by saying, Pastor, pray for me that I will sow the seed instead of eating the seed. Does that make sense? Let's let our heads be bowed, eyes closed in the presence of God. And we're going to bring you down for prayer in just a moment if you need prayer for miracle money in your life. I know that sounds rather odd to even label it that way, but I cannot label it any other thing. But if you're here today first and you just say, Pastor Brown, for the sake of accountability, for the sake of accountability today, i need seed to sow i have not been sowing my seed the part that i know i should be sowing to god i have been consuming it upon my need and today by the upraised hand i'm just kind of acknowledging to god and i'm repenting before the lord and i'm just asking god to give me the strength to sow my seed rather than to consume my seed because as i sow i reap and i want to be faithful if i sow Generously, I'll reap generously. Pastor, I want to be accountable. Thank you for that hand. Any you slip your hand up right there. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else's hands? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. You don't know how much I appreciate it. That's the sincerity of your heart that proves to me God is dealing with. See, because where your heart is, where your finances is, where your resources are, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So God, I want to pray for those that had the courage to raise their hand. God, in the name of Jesus, would you bless them with seed to sow? In the days and the weeks ahead, God, give them the courage to sow their seed, Father, in Jesus' name and be faithful and become faithful and leave a legacy to their children and their children's children, God, in the name of Jesus. Everybody stand with me today.